Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello and welcome to the Security Token Show. We're your hosts. I'm Herwig Konings. Of course, I'm joined by Kyle Solomon. We're here in sunny Miami, Florida. We're ready to give you all the latest, greatest security token news, the top five things you need to know, the latest security token offerings, of course, what's happening in the market and a look inside the metaverse, followed by our main topic today, which is going to be all about Coinbase and their kerfuffle with the SEC. Well, of course, Kyle, we can't start the show without our sponsor, can we? Thank you to USPC, our sponsor, because societies have used money for thousands of years as a trusted unit of account and medium of exchange. However, the detrimental effects of inflation render today's currencies an inefficient store of value. You may have seen this on the news. United States Property Coin is here to solve that by becoming the first real estate-backed digital currency in the world's largest economy, the U.S. Funded and sponsored by a Southern Californian real estate development firm, Premier, USPC tokens will function as a fractionalized ownership unit of account in a diversified portfolio that is expected to benefit from current income and long-term appreciation of real estate assets which will create a more reliable store of value and medium of exchange. Real estate-backed currency provides two primary benefits. First off, it's a high level of confidence for the long-term appreciation and the ability to generate more income and value. Real estate appreciation has tended to outpace the rate of inflation in virtually any five-year period on record, while other asset-backed tokens are subject to devaluation. USPC is providing investors with a stable alternative, and you can check it out more on their website. Shout out to USPC for sponsoring this week's episode. Can't make this show possible without our sponsor. So thank you, US Property Coin, for making this one possible. And with that, Kyle, let's get into our show. And moving into our top five, we're kicking it off with number one. The SEC is prosecuting an insider trading case against a former Coinbase employee where he supplied what they think is material private information to not only his a sibling, I think a brother and a friend, and they were able to funnel $1.5 million through blockchain wallets. They were able to profit off of future listing announcements on the platform. And the SEC is alleging that I think 14 of these listings were securities and therefore these are the, you know, you can't do that, right? Insider trading specifically targets the securities markets. As we've talked about, the NFT case from a couple weeks ago wasn't insider trading. They went with wire fraud. This time, the SEC is saying for the first time, we've really seen on a retail level that no, these cryptocurrencies are securities. You cannot be trading them. And there's going to be greater implications, not only for, for these these traders, but for Coinbase themselves. It's a big deal potentially for the whole industry. In fact, we're going to be breaking it down much more on our main topic later this episode. But moving on, number two, ADEX has officially announced another listing, a private credit fund by Helipad, Helicap Investments. Helicap Investments has a track record already. Their first fund providing already an over 10% annualized return. And what's cool is with this new security token, they're actually able to lower the minimum from 250000 from their first fund now to $10,000. That's mm. a great, great use case of security tokens. You're going to hear more about 
this listing later in the show. The 24th listing for Adex. That's pretty impressive stuff. And number three, we have OSL based in Hong Kong. They've conducted the very first security token distribution in the region, specifically as a licensed type one broker dealer exchange by the Hong Kong Securities and Futures Commission, the SFC, which is like the SEC here in the United States. These are the enforcement regulators. They licensed OSL with this broker dealer type one which allowed them to issue $10,000 worth of a Bitcoin-backed bond to institutional investors. This was their proof of concept. It went smoothly. They're all gung-ho about it, and they're going to be issuing more securities moving forward. Fantastic stuff coming out of Asia this week. But moving on back to the home base for number four here in America, Yugo Labs, the company behind Board Ape, Yacht Club, NFTs, and ApeCoin, has officially come under fire from Scott and Scott a law firm that's put together a class action lawsuit. They are now seeking plaintiffs to go ahead and go after Yuga Labs, claiming that their NFTs as well as their ApeCoin sales were unregistered securities, which means that Yuga Labs did not follow the right uh, disclosures and, and requirements. And that would, of course, put everything in hot water, potentially means that they would owe investors a lot of money. Uh, in fact, of course, these coins have seen significant drops due to the recent crypto winter. So this could have a lot of implications. In fact, Kyle and I have covered this topic many times in previous episodes. You can go check those out on YouTube. And number five, we have Douglas Borthwick, Chief Business Officer for INX, recently sat down and did an interview with Cointelegraph that was bullish on our industry, saying specifically, Ooh. the game has yet to begun. This comes on the heels of their listing announcement with TruckPal, a Chinese freight security token issuer that's coming out now and doing a primary on their platform. And we agree with you, Douglas. The industry is growing smoothly. We see all of the progress happening from an institutional side, as well as the public market cap still holding strong at around $17 billion as of this week. So everything's going well. Shout out to INX and everyone else in the industry. As you said, Douglas, we're just getting started and we're super pumped about all of that. And of course, we've got more great industry news over with Anna Yancey. So let's head over to her. Hey guys, happy Monday. Anna over here with your industry news. We have lots to cover today, so let's dive into it. The big stablecoin bill that has been anticipated for a while now is now being delayed by the House Financial Services Committee after Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen pushed for changes in the legislation. Maxine Waters and Patrick McHenry have been negotiating a bill that would give banks the ability to issue their own stablecoins and put non-bank insurers under the oversight of the Federal Reserve. Last week, however, Yellen raised concerns with Waters over how it addressed digital assets held in custody on behalf of consumers. She sought changes that would require digital wallet providers to keep customer assets segregated, ensuring their pre preservation in the event of insolvency. Democratic efforts to incorporate Treasury's request could possibly mean the legislation could be pushed back until after the August recess. Another piece of legislation being changed is the Securities Exchange Act. The SEC proposed a change to the definition of dealer and government securities dealer. The proposal is intended to provide clearer standards to identify market participants that are engaged in buying and selling securities for their own account as a part of a regular business and that are, as a result, providing significant liquidity in securities markets. The proposal sets out 
standards to help identify when a market participant activities would require them to register as a dealer under the Exchange Act. In the proposal, a person that is engaged in buying and selling securities for its own account is engaged in such activity as part of a regular business. If that person engages in routine pattern of buying and selling securities with the effect of providing liquidity to other market participants. Also, if that person is not a person that controls total assets of less than $50 million or an investment company registered under the Investment Company Act of 1940. Another hot topic of the week is how Michael Stollery, the Titanium Blockchain CEO, pleaded guilty to conducting a fraudulent initial coin offering touted to be worth $21 million. Earlier in June, Stollery was charged with one count of security fraud. He allegedly lured investors to buy bars, a coin issued by his firm. He falsified data about the token's potential upside and also falsified white papers. His actions misled people about the project. Furthermore, he faked customer testimonials on the official Titanium blockchain website and also lied about his company's partnerships. For Titanium Initials coin offerings, Stolery raised approximately $21 million, but the ICO was not registered with the SEC, which as we all know is mandatory. This made his entire operation illegal from the start. In other non-fraudulent news, Six Digital Exchange has partnered with Actionariat, a technology provider for digitized private shares in Switzerland, to further develop the digital ecosystem for issuers and institutional investors. Thanks to this partnership, companies issuing shares through Actionariat's technology will be able to register digital securities seamlessly in SDX-regulated central securities depository. And our last industry news of the week is how NFT trading volumes hit a 12-month low. Data from the top NFT trading venues revealed that trading volumes have fallen in recent months and are now at their lowest levels since July 2021. OpenSea's trading volume peaked at around $5.8 billion in January. However, OpenSea has now seen $456.9 billion decline this month. Despite the lack of NFT trading activity, the floor prices of established projects have held in recent weeks and in some cases increased in ETH terms. The recent data indicates that the crypto niche has a long way to go before it reclaims the heights it hit last year. That's all the news I have for you guys today, folks. Now let's pass it on to Megan. Hello, tokenizers. Welcome back to the Security Token Updates segment of the show. Let's get right into it. First up, Stobox has released a digital securities dashboard for Texas-based real estate agency PowerShift Properties. PowerShift Properties offers an easy way to earn a more stable income stream that allows investors to own fractional ownership of existing and new properties on the blockchain without the hassle of actually owning the property. The digital securities dashboard will focus on offering a few specific things. First being transparency with access to real-time metrics and visibility into their governance structures. Second is token holder participation, where investors and property owners can influence which properties they invest in and how dividends are structured, much like a donor-advised fund. There is also a decentralized management and control system on the dashboard. For more information on this, you can head over to the tokenizer. Next up, we have NASD OTC Securities Exchange, who has announced that it will launch a new digital securities platform through its new master agreement with Blockstation and regional partner, TK Tech Africa. This will be the first exchange in Africa to embrace blockchain-based security tokens. 
This is aligned with and follows a successful collaboration between both organizations and the SEC to develop the rulebook that was recently released. For more info on this and the release of the digital securities platform, head over to thisdaylive.com. Lastly, Trade Tech has launched a trade finance back token on the XDC blockchain. Trade Tech is a technology provider for trade finance asset distribution, and they have launched what they say is the first ever fully regulated trade finance backed fungible security token on the XDC blockchain network. Trade Tech's new security token, Trada, aims to overcome barriers like high entry points, poor visibility, low liquidity, complex regulatory framework by fractionalizing and tokenizing pools of repackaged, securitized trade finance assets on the XDC network and making them available to retail investors. The co-founder of XTC, a tool stated, tokenized trade finance will be brought onto a public blockchain network in a widespread and meaningful way. It opens the doors for a series of liquidity pools that generate yield from real world assets. This is very exciting, but for more information, head over to Global Trade Review. Till next week, tokenizers. Three big updates. Let's send it over to world traveler and tokenizer, Samuel J. Sachs. Hello and happy Monday. The security token market cap is trading just below $18 billion as Onegra Group and Dignity Gold have paired their gains from the past couple of weeks. Digital security marketplace Addicts has listed a private credit fund managed by Helicap Investments. Helicap Fund One is the flagship fund of the company and is designed to promote financial inclusion in Southeast Asia, according to a company statement. The fund aims to transform the way consumers and SMEs access credit. Since the launch of the fund in 2018, it's distributed over 100 million US dollars while generating a respectable return of 10%. FTX US, in other news, has opened stock trading to users in all 50 American states, company president Brett Harrison said in a tweet. The cryptocurrency exchange will now allow all users to trade hundreds of stocks and exchange traded funds, or ETFs, either online or through the FTX US Pro mobile app. The US unit of FTX Exchange piloted the feature to a select group of customers in May and said it would not charge fees or monetize trades in a way similar to Robinhood, which has been criticized for its payment order flow business model. And how about that recent Ethereum pump? With the merge only a couple of months away where they are switching from proof of work to proof of stake protocol, investors seeing an opportunity to buy cheap. In fact, it's outperformed Bitcoin significantly since the announcement. We will dig into this more during subsequent episodes, but it'll be extremely interesting to monitor price action over the coming days and weeks. If the macro equity markets start start to dump again, how will Ethereum hold up? Time will tell and I'll be here to cover it all. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week and I'll see you next Monday. Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Bancroft. The U.S. antitrust regulator is suing Facebook to stop it from dominating the metaverse. They filed a suit to stop Facebook from acquiring Unlimited and its virtual reality fitness app, Supernatural. The complaint details Facebook's acquisition of virtual reality companies going back to its purchase of Oculus back in 2014. Next, the Wharton School out of the University of Pennsylvania launched a six-week online course about business in the metaverse. The goal of the course is to educate students about the upcoming trends in the metaverse and giving them the tools to address the issues within it. It is titled Business in the Metaverse Economy and is one of the first to come out of an Ivy League school. Moving forward, the VMAs adds a Best Metaverse Performance category. 
The move is to introduce a metaverse category came after MTV noticed artists were increasingly starting to interact in virtual spaces. Next, on July 14th, FIFA applied to trademark several aspects of the 2026 to digitize them in the metaverse. According to the application filed, the organization is planning on retailing the digital versions of these items through virtual retail stores. These items include virtual clothing, accessories like headwear, eyewear, and sports gear. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Cole. And now coming back from the metaverse, we're here in STM HQ to talk about my favorite section of the week, Companies of the Week. This is where Herwig and I get to pick two businesses that we wanted to shout out for doing something amazing, and sometimes the regulators and other entities as well, doing really cool stuff in the space. Herwig, I'm going to lead it off here Do with it. Trade Tech. T-R-A-D-E-T-E-Q, who is a platform that launched in 2018 specifically to tokenize trade financing. So trade financing is essentially where you have two counterparties that are doing international trade or shipping, things like that. And there's always going to be credit requirements and amount of cash and liquidity that they may need in a given transaction that they can either go to a different lender or a bank or a financial service provider to do that short-term credit and liquidity requirements which comes with small interest rates and things like that, overnight rates, things like that. They're essentially taking a big bundle of these trade financing pieces, which are, are a low default. They're likely pretty good, especially with international trade being pretty strong right now. And then packaging that together and then selling those products as securitizations. And so they actually are tokenizing these trade finance securitizations. And that their first one is called TRADA, T-R-A-D-A. And they are targeting a 5% year or 5% per year yield, $104 minimum, and it's on the XDC blockchain. I think it's a pretty novel use case. They've proven this concept before, and uh, we love to see it. Yeah, no, Kyle, I love to see it too. That's a great choice. A uh, huge fan of trade finance. It's a massive sector. I think it powers up to like 90% of global import and exporting. It's a massive and critical component to it. And of course, the blockchain will reach it. So this company is paving the way for that. Congratulations to, to Trada or the trade. Uh, look out for Trada, 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 Trada. We'll, we'll figure out how to pronounce it. But let's get over to mine, Kyle. Coinbase is my company of the week. I got to give them a shout out. We're about to break into it big time. You heard a little about it earlier in the episode, but I really got to give it to their chief of policy for coming out and saying, look, SEC, we get it. We want clarity. We believe that you should follow your traditional process of going and making rules and then asking for public opinion and allowing the industry to weigh in and then formally making more decisions from there. And of course, I completely agree with that. Kyle and I were able to do that way back when we first started the show. We put in uh, suggestions to the SEC and feedback, and they actually took it. They cited us and they made those changes. Uh, we're hella proud of it. But uh, I think there is a lot of work that can be done with the crypto industry. I feel like everybody wants that clarity. And so Coinbase, being one of the biggest voices, Kyle, in the space, I have to give them my company of the week for now. Finally, taking a stand uh, and saying, hey, look, SEC, this is how we think you should do it. We really want to work with you on this. You said you want to work with us. You know, let's do things the right way. Interesting. Yeah, Coinbase always has been a leader in policymaking. They've certainly led with lobbying and trying to help 
regulators understand what's going on. They actually welcomed the SEC under their hood of their business operations, which, as we'll talk about later, actually may have bit them in the toe. But either way, they've tried to be transparent. They've tried to continue this dialogue. We'll see where they go from here. Oh, Kyle, I think we got a whole lot more to talk about that. So let's head on over to our main topic. The crypto industry is in distraught, and now more than ever, the SEC is trying to claim their turf, and it looks like Coinbase is standing up to represent the entire community and fight back with the SEC. Fight might be some strong words, Kyle, but in today's episode, I think we're going to, our main topic here, break down exactly what's going on, the history behind Coinbase, the history behind the SEC, what could the outcomes be for the industry. Let's start off, Kyle, going back with Coinbase. They've already had quite a a relationship uh, to discuss here with the SEC, don't we? Yeah, being one of the largest startups in the U.S. tech scene that has been in this crypto space for so long, they naturally were going to be A, a topic of focus, but B, one of the spokespeople for the industry. They have significant influence on this space, being, I think, the largest or one of the largest transaction platforms to go from fiat to cryptocurrencies. And in Brian Armstrong, we trust the company has pushed back quite a bit around the ideas of their assets being securities, their assets specifically being the ones that are listed on their cryptocurrency exchange. They have, I think, close to 100, if not more than 100 that are listed on their Coinbase platform. They've gone in the past and they've come out with the Cryptocurrency Rating Council, where they joined with multiple different companies that tried to rate and rank these assets based off of, I think, how decentralized they were. I don't think they actually really mentioned them being securities or not, but there's always this like level of risk, I think, that was associated with some of the tokens. And they were trying to, to do their best to provide some insight there. They certainly have allocated a ton of capital to lobbying. But then we've got a whole host of different current events that I think are fun to break into as well. Leading off with the one we covered in our top five today, where they are fighting back against this idea that assets on their platform are securities, specifically with regards to insider trading, which is kind of fascinating. That's the narrative of the industry here. We've seen this countless times in the last several years with the SEC going after ICO cases, calling them unregistered securities, calling them a violation, many times simply settling and then requiring the money to be returned to investors, which of course is a big deal. It shuts down the projects when they're in full movement, expecting that they aren't supposed to be securities. And now uh, the SEC is for the first time ever saying that there is an insider trading case of securities on a crypto exchange. A lot to unpack there, Mm -hmm. given the fact that as you just said, The crypto exchange believes they aren't hosting securities. The SEC believes they are. That immediately puts the exchange in a host of issues. Coinbase would now have to become an exchange just like the National Stock Exchange, like NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. Um, And then on top of that, you, of course, have this concern that now you've got insider trading. Man, the amount of times that I've heard, oh, it's NFTs, it's cryptocurrencies, there's no insider trading here. Well, it looks like we've seen both cases be brought out, uh, as we saw with OpenSea and now here with Coinbase. So this is a real, real uh, important case yeah. because it could have, again, ample implications for the industry that there were specifically nine cited in this case uh, that the SEC specifically considers securities, and therefore there was insider trading associated with them. The interesting thing and the slight wrinkle that you bring to this whole equation is that the Southern District of New York also is is suing and prosecuting the Coinbase for this insider trading scandal. However, 
They specifically do not note any of the tokens being securities. And they take the argument that you don't need to be a security necessarily to have insider trading. So it's kind of two separate angles of the same problem. SEC saying, yeah, insider trading is for securities only and Coinbase is trading securities. Whereas the SDNY is saying, well, insider trading can be more than just securities. And so they're moving forward with wire fraud charges, which is actually what OpenSea is being charged with as well, or at least that that employee of OpenSea that was insider trading the NFTs on their platform. Again, they weren't securities, so they were going for wire fraud. And that's what the New York state is prosecuting. Maybe actually siding with Coinbase on this front and at least saying they're not securities, even if what was happening from one of their employees was illegal. Both are illegal. We saw up to, I believe, 40 years of jail time for the OpenSea offender. So this is a very real deal. And again, implications for the crypto industry as well, surely, these individuals and for Coinbase itself. And this might be the first move that we see where the SEC has aggressively gone offensively against Coinbase in one way or another. We saw in the past that Coinbase itself tried to expand its lane uh, and go into the uh, lending and staking business. They had a hypothecation, rehypothecation mm-hmm. solution. I forget what they had called Coinbase it. Coinbase Earn. Earn. Coinbase Earn. And what happened was the SEC, after getting a look uh, with it, which actually the uh, Coinbase team had invited the SEC to do, the SEC came back and said, hey, this Coinbase Earn thing you're trying to do, it's illegal, and served them a Wells notice, which actually means that the SEC said, if you launch this, we will sue you immediately. Uh, So that's definitely not great. In fact, we saw that Brian Armstrong, the CEO, went into a bit of a Twitter thread and wrote a blog post uh, clashing back at the SEC quite negatively. Uh, Definitely sometimes, uh, to many people's view, don't want to bite the the hand that feeds you, or in this case, your your police officer, uh, (laughs) which is kind of even worse. Uh, But uh, now we see this strike back. Uh, we saw the blog post that I just mentioned in my Companies of the Week where Coinbase's new chief of policy said, hey, we really want to make sure that the SEC does this the right way. We want to work with you. We want to try to get involved with the rulemaking process. We don't think this should be driven by just policymakers or just by regulators. We think the industry needs to get input uh, and have a voice. And we, of course, fully agree with that. We should all be able to have a decision and input uh, into the rules that are being made here. And of course, as they mentioned uh, in their article, that there is an opportunity, a, a window uh, here that we will miss out to other countries that potentially take more proactive and flexible uh, solutions to the crypto industry. And the fact that there is no regulation here and no real clarity, I think, is is the centerpiece Correct, of this yeah. whole disagreement. Because as we've seen the past SEC jurisdiction, or at least the, the past chairs have been relatively lenient. They've, they've certainly prosecuted things that are illegal, but they've been pretty lenient. Chair Hayman had come out and said ETH is not a security well before, I think, that most of the SEC was comfortable in saying that. You had Jay Clayton supporting tokenization in many cases. They had no action letters around crypto asset securities and what's going on there. And we've seen a lot of support for this stuff in the past. And that's just what kind of what Coinbase has come out with recent dialogue as well, saying, look, we need more clear definitions around these things, more clear guidance on what is going on, because this constant state of flux is confusing. Even if we look at the XRP Ripple case and what that's had its implications, Ripple is fighting the SEC tooth and nail to argue they're not a security. And even just the lawsuit alone forced Coinbase and many other crypto exchanges to delist XRP from their platform. So may we see a similar action happen for the nine 
that are listed in the SEC's most recent illegal you know, insider trading scandal. Who knows? If you're staying consistent, you'd expect that. But that's going to be very quickly a slippery slope for Coinbase and other crypto exchanges. Well, one might suspect that this is indeed the path to follow. Uh, and especially now with the new chair, Gary Gensler, who has repeatedly gone onto the news and said, hey, I pretty much think everything except Bitcoin, maybe even Ethereum, is a security. Uh, and he believes that the exchanges and the staking programs and the lending programs, they are all in violation as a result and therefore all need to come into compliance. Uh, we believe that, in fact, on the consulting side of our, our, our company, our sister company, Security Token Advisors, we're now offering remediation as a service because we think that maybe those nine, but many others, many ICOs, many utility tokens, they're going to be classified as securities and they're going to need to remediate into uh, a security token in order to continue to function uh, and, and be of use and value to the holders. So crypto winter has really forced the hand of not only the SEC and other jurisdictional bodies that are, are applying this pressure, but then also for Congress, who is yeah. looking at it and saying, hmm, you know, we haven't seen a ton of, of thought leadership pushed out by the SEC. We haven't seen a lot of action that they've done to provide guidance. Perhaps it's the CFTC that's more capable of providing oversight for this industry. And so we've seen them potentially in a lot of the bills actually leaning towards the CFTC. The CFTC has issued the Bitcoin futures ETF as well as other regulation around some of these assets, whereas the SEC, we're really just seeing them being reactionary and, and trying to go after things that are going wrong, which ends up tying them in these really big lawsuits like with Coinbase or XRP or others that you can only fight some of those, you know, a, a couple of those battles at any given time with, with their uh, limited staff and budgets. That's absolutely the case why they asked for 20 more crypto division lawyers to help with enforcement. Again, pointing to all signs that the SEC could be trying to stake their turf, claim their the defensive position around the crypto industry and their authority around it, uh, which is a really big deal because we've been saying uh, for many uh, times on the show now, the case of the year is Ripple. Uh, it was last year. It's been going on for some time now because of its potential implication. It still has not come to any outcome. Before that, we saw Telegram, which ended up having more than billions of dollars getting returned. Now, I think, Kyle, we can say on this show that the new case of the year is absolutely mm -hmm. the SEC and Coinbase they're absolutely now at war with each other in that sense. We've seen the history, we've laid it out. Now we might see some results. Uh, we've seen them jab at each other, Kyle. Let's talk about what some of those results might be. Sure. Uh, the first, I think, is safe harbors. Um, this would be one of the more ideal scenarios for the crypto industry where the SEC go ahead. Uh, and this was actually proposed by uh, one of the SEC chair, uh, commissioners. Uh, uh, Hester Pierce, sorry, excuse from years me. Ago. From, from years ago. From years ago. She oh. essentially proposed that as something like three years, you get a chance to figure out whether your token is a utility or a security, uh, whether you can achieve, quote unquote, full decentralization. And that safe harbor meant that you could go ahead and issue projects and tokens without fear of concern of the SEC. Of course, things like fraud and other things are still not allowed. But if you are a true innovator and entrepreneur and you're looking to launch a token, you wouldn't have to worry about it thanks to these safe harbors. And maybe there are some registration requirements or rules or things like that, but it would create clarity for the industry. And we have uh, seen examples of this in other, yes, other countries. countries as well. We've got the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Singapore being one of the, the largest economic hubs especially in the APAC region, they have a full regulatory sandbox where exchanges, brokers, and other providers can build their business and get their licenses with oversight and embraced 
by the monetary authority, as opposed to, as we talked about with the SEC, a lot of it's very reactionary. You put something out and then the SEC decides if they're comfortable with it or not, three, four, five, six years down the line, as opposed to co-authoring, co-building these things together. It's an even better alternative, in my opinion, than just doing the safe harbors where anyone can more or less willy-nilly take advantage of them. At least that sandbox gives the SEC control and opportunity to review and have oversight over whatever's happening underneath their sandbox, but still creates an opportunity for those entrepreneurs to participate. We've also got number two, new policy, right? We see either from Congress or in some form or another, new policy that's assigned where either the CFTC is assigned some authority, some kind of clarity is created. Uh, Previously, the Jobs Act of 2012, which ushered in a lot of these new regulations for retail investing and the like, uh, also had some very basic rules from Congress that ended up turning into hundreds and hundreds of pages of interpretation by the SEC that they then made their own rules. So this is another angle that we might see where, okay, we might get some direction from Congress given the crypto winter and everything that's happening, uh, but it would be coming down to how they, of course, you know, create the language in, in terms of assigning uh, authority to which agency uh, and what they do in their responsibility. Yeah, my prediction there is that if we were to see new legislation, you're probably going to see it in two specific sectors first. The, the first one being stable coins. Yeah. We've talked about this quite a bit, maybe requiring specific reserve ratios for those, those assets, which in my opinion, I think they should probably be 100% if you're, if you're a private company. If you're not going to be FDIC insured, I don't think that you should be issuing a dollar pegged stable coin that doesn't actually peg to a dollar and having those default mechanisms that, that don't actually give you the underlying backing. But again, maybe you don't make it 100, but probably 75 is a little healthier than, than 60, 50 or less. Like in the case of a Luna, certainly some rules are... are the demand. other one I think is lending, right? You're seeing a lot of crypto lenders like with this Coinbase Earn product or many others that we saw that actually did collapse like Celsius, Voyager, and BlockFi being three headline popping examples. All three of these issuers were specifically lending out this collateral for risky, very correlated Investments. And I think that that's maybe the biggest thing that I would look for to provide regulation on is really trying to disintermediate the correlation of whatever you're investing in. Because if you're taking in this collateral that could go down and the investment you're making goes down the same way, that's really where you start to get those death spirals because you're not properly diversified enough. So reserve ratios are certainly something that likely applies there as well. And then figuring out something along the lines of correlation to really focus on making sure that those those actual investments are not going to collapse, leaving you without your pants. Well, Congress has certainly not been uh, known to be successful in any efforts. Nothing's been passed despite countless bills, whether they tie into one specific thing like stable coins or or lending like you're talking about, or the other concern where the other sides of crypto get looped in. And typically that's where it ends up nothing happening because nothing can get done when no one agrees. So no, the third option would then actually be the SEC coming out with what we heard from uh, from the Coinbase side, which is, hey, why don't you go ahead and propose some rules, This, you know, preferably this half of the remainder of the year, uh, and say, hey, this is what we think we should do to regulate the market. These are the rules that we propose and how we regulate crypto. Please, for the next 30 to 45 days, give us your input, give us your feedback. We'll take it all into account. And then another uh, period will happen where they come back and they think and they put out a new set of rules and hopefully another comment period happens before other rules get put into place. This allows for a lot of industry communication and feedback. 
Uh, but of course, it's a much slower process, one that needs to get started preferably immediately. Uh, and then I think last but not least, it's business as usual. The SEC continues to say, look, we already have existing securities laws. They're going to continue to enforce their turf and say, whatever we think is a security, we're going to go after. We're going to claim it's a security. There's a good chance that we start to see specifically cryptocurrency exchanges, more lending programs and staking programs get direct uh, notices from the uh, SEC, uh, which, of course, all of this comes into the elephant of the room of the framework for what is a security and what isn't and which coins will fall in which camp. Uh, so we'll, of course, keep you updated on the show about all those things. But I think it's great to be able to still got an eye on Ripple, but this is a certainly a big new center stage Huge. thing. Coinbase versus the SEC representing crypto versus capital markets. I love it. Can't wait to dive in more. But with that, uh, of course, Follow us uh, on all our different social media. Kyle and I were available on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn, on everywhere else. We've got great uh, security token market community that you can join on Discord, on our website, stm.co. All the latest trading information, all the latest news, uh, all the latest blog posts and things that you can find from our analysts and our team. Uh, definitely come check that out and join us. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, share this everywhere that you do, and sign up for our newsletter, newsletter.stlmarket.com for the What's Dripping by Jonah Shulman edition every Monday. And with that, we'll catch you next Monday and happy tokenizing.